you grow up with a lack of parental supervision? Do you know all the lyrics to The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Remember Mayor McCheese and the Fry Guys? Have an inexplicable love for the California Raisins? Can you remember Madonna's original face? Then you might be a part of the Doom Generation. Laugh until you cry with us each week as we stumble blindly through the memories of the movie and other random things that doomed us to be the salty, sarcastic, sardonic ladies we want to hang with. You know us. You love us. You can't f***ing live without us. Doom, Doom Generation. Generation. Available everywhere you find podcasts. Try to run away from me. So I hit him with my shoe again! How far are you gone? L.A. Not many people stop for a guy these days. Afraid of a stick-up, maybe. This buggy belongs to a guy named Haskell. That's not you, mister. Now, wait a Shut minute. Up. You're a cheap crook and you killed him. Never mind that stuff. Take a car. Huh? My duplicate car. You can keep it. I've got 51 left. <laughs> The Cult-Worthy Classic, a cinema podcast dedicated to obscure films and cult classics made before 1970. Your host, Antonio Palacios, will guide you weekly through a sea of hidden gems and obscure films that are destined for rediscovery. And so, without further ado, let's start the show. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Antonio. This is the Cult-Worthy Classic. And if you are a regular listener, you would have noticed that there was no show last week. Now, I announced it on Twitter and on Instagram that we were in the process of changing platforms, that there would be no show. And let me give you a little bit of history behind that. So almost a year ago now, it'll be a year in October, I started the Cult-Worthy Podcast on Anchor. Now I heard about Anchor through podcast ads and radio ads and internet ads. If you want to start a podcast, hey, it's free. You can teach yourself how to record, edit, publish, all that great stuff, which I kind of knew how to do already. But I liked the idea that it was free and you could potentially make a little bit of money. And when I mean a little bit, I mean a little bit. But you know, something's happened over the last few months. The Cultworthy Podcast, the main show, has begun to grow significantly. When I first started that show, it was two to three times a week, I was reading reviews that I had written for my blog or written for Letterboxd, and it was just me on the microphone reading blocks of four, four slasher films, four creature films, four films about bad heists. And eventually, people started wanting to be on the show to talk about these films. Now, here we are just about a year later, and that show is predominantly guested. I barely, if at all, have any shows where it's just me talking about the reviews of these films that I deem cult-worthy. So that's really cool that I am able to have these conversations with other podcasters or people in the industry or film writers, and they want to be on the show, and they say yes when I ask, and we talk about some really great double features and really great film topics. It's just been a lot of fun seeing the show progress from what it was to what it is. Now, the cult-worthy classic has always been kind of like my little side project, my little second child, so to speak, because I felt that these classic films made before 1970 really had no place in conversation with films like Piranha or films like Bugsy Malone, as I had just talked about on the last episode. So to give them a little bit more respect, to give them the exposure that I feel they deserved, I created this show, The Cult-Worthy Classic. And this was going to be the guested show. This was going to be the show where I would have people on to talk about these classic films. We did The Bad Seed, Night of the Living Dead, Twisted Nerve, Detour, so many great films. We're on episode 33 now, and it's been a really great ride. However, 
it still is the side project. It doesn't have as many listeners, and it doesn't really have the following that the other show is growing. So I'm keeping it, but I'm going to have to change the format up a little bit. So I mentioned this on a previous episode where I'm going to be doing every other week will be a guested episode. So what about the weeks in between? Well, I really contemplated just not having a show, but that doesn't feel right. That feels like I'm really just putting the cult-worthy classic in the back seat, and I don't want it in the back seat. So it really made me think about my personal journey, my history of a film appreciator, a film watcher, a film blogger, and now a film podcaster. What was that very first influence? What was that very first piece of media that made me want to take the cinematic journeys that I've been taking to get where I'm at right now with this podcast medium? It actually came to me really quickly, and when I thought about it, it was on my shelf the entire time. So back in 1995, Martin Scorsese and the British Film Institute put together this little documentary that pretty much detailed his personal journey through American movies, and it was called Martin Scorsese's personal journey through American movies. I'm often asked by uh, younger filmmakers, why do I need to look at old movies? I've made a number of pictures in the past 20 years. And uh, the response I find that I have to give them is that I'm, I still consider myself a student. Um, the more pictures I've made in the past 20 years, the more I realize I really don't know. And I'm always looking for something to, something or someone that I could, that I could learn from. I, I tell them, I tell the younger, the younger filmmakers and the young students that, uh, do it like uh, painters used to do, what painters do. Um, study the old masters, enrich your palette, expand the canvas. There's always so much more to learn. Now, I remember watching this in high school. I think I was a sophomore. We were watching it in film studies class, and I fell in love with it. It's five hours long. And as soon as it came out on DVD, I bought it, and I watched it repeatedly. It kind of became the blueprint, the treasure map, for what I wanted my cinematic journey to be. Now, at the time, Martin Scorsese was my favorite director. I would say he is still in my top three favorite directors, but I've seen a lot more films since then, and I've gained a lot more appreciation for other filmmakers. But honestly, when I think about the days where I wanted to be a filmmaker and I wanted to tell stories visually, it was his eye, it was his framing, it was his pace that I really wanted to emulate. And we've all seen other filmmakers emulate it as well. I would say Tarantino and Paul Thomas Anderson being the first and foremost, but you see his DNA, you see his influence in many filmmakers' works of these days, and that's not a bad thing. He, for one, honestly admits that he was heavily inspired by the French New Wave directors like Godard, Rest in Peace, Truffaut, etc. So it is just this ongoing process where the DNA of one filmmaker and artist moves into the other, and so on and so forth. Now, I've never really considered myself a film critic. Like I said, I'm more of a film appreciator, but I do like to analyze, I do like to deconstruct, but mostly I like to take the journey. So going back to this personal journey through American movies, when I bought it on DVD in 2000, I watched it repeatedly, and I made it like an effort, a goal, to see every film that Martin Scorsese mentions on this, to see how it turned him into the filmmaker that he is today. Now, I grabbed it off the shelf and I forgot that there are so many movies that he mentions. And many of them I've seen, uh, quite a few I've actually spoken about on this podcast. But there are a lot more. And it really kind of re-energized me into taking that journey. To take this treasure map 
to take this blueprint that he's given all of us and go back and follow that same path into what made him the filmmaker that he is today. So I'm going to do that. So what I'm going to be doing in future episodes of this podcast is I'm going to start at paragraph one, sentence one, word one of his cinematic journey, view these shows, and kind of give you my take on these movies versus what they really meant to him. See if I can pinpoint that moment, that shot, that frame, that needle drop that inspired him to make a certain movie or certain choice in the films that we have all grown to appreciate. So this is what we're going to do. If you want to take this journey with me, I will announce every week on Twitter the film that I am going to be watching. Or you can find the list on my website, thecultworthy.com. I will have a tab dedicated to this topic, where you can go through and watch the films in the list I'm going to watch them in. And I encourage you to reach out to me on Twitter, to email me on my website, and let me know what the film meant to you, and anything you want me to mention when I give my recap of that journey for the week. I feel there are so many people these days who are either in book clubs or film clubs where they are forced to absorb the content of the book or the film and not really gaining the entertainment value out of it. They are just trying to get the plot points or the bits of information they want to talk about in a group setting so at least it sounds like they read the book or they saw the film. We're not going to do that here. This is opt-in, opt-out. This is my invitation to you, my listener, to take this journey with me. And hopefully you do. And even if we don't take it at the same time, that's fine. Just hop on that page. You can see the films and the dates of when they are going to be talked about at any time. Now, this may actually turn into nothing, and that's okay too, but I am going to follow through with this because it is something that I've been wanting to do for a very long time. I just didn't have the right roadmap. I just didn't have the right blueprint. And the fact that it was staring me right in the face on my DVD shelf just goes to show that it was there all along, almost luring me, enticing me to take this journey all over again at age 40. And I'm excited to do it. It's going to take a nice long time. And I really hope that this podcast will be around as long as it needs to be to get the task done. So if you want to get ahead of the game and start seeing some of these films, the first four films on the list are as follows. 1952's The Bad and the Beautiful, directed by Vincent Minnelli. on in the private lives of the famous, the notorious. You will share the laughter and the tears of talented people who stop at nothing to attain success until success stops them. Of romantic people who fight for love until love whips them. Archer said you were going to get rid of her quick. Shut up and get back upstairs. If you are a gentleman, there is no justification for boorishness. You asked me how my work was going. What was I supposed to say? Next is 1946's Duel in the Sun, directed by King Vidor. The studio that made Gone with the Wind brings you Duel in the Sun, a spectacular, adventurous love story of the Old West with one of the greatest casts in motion picture history, headed by Jennifer Jones, Joseph Cotton, Gregory Peck, Duel in the Sun, the unparalleled, thrill-packed spectacle that was two years in the making. Photographed in magnificent Technicolor, 
Duel in the Sun, with Lionel Barrymore, Herbert Marshall, Lillian Gish, Walter Houston, Charles Bickford. After that is 1956's The Girl Can't Help It, directed by Frank Tashlin. You'll rock and roll yourself to the happiest time of your life with a sensational an array of stars as the screen has ever assembled to delight you. That seven-year itch fellow, Tom Yule. Seven million times itchier than before. Oh, I've been in men's bedrooms before. And man, oh man, oh Mansfield. Jane Mansfield, that is. The terrific star of Rock Hunter in her first rocking role on the screen. But everyone figures me for a sex part. No one thinks I'm equipped. Now, I have not checked the availability of all these yet, but if I can't find them streaming, I'm going to find whatever physical media version I can to complete this journey. It's kind of the excitement of it, right? For me, it's like finding the key that's going to open the door to the next part of your journey. So thank you for wanting to take it with me. I think it's going to be very exciting. Now, I can't end this episode without saying, please like, rate, review, and subscribe to my show, The Cultworthy Podcast and The Cultworthy Classic, as well as all of the indie podcasters on my Cultworthy Partners page on thecultworthy.com. If you are a fan of indie cinema podcasts, then you need to check out Derazzled, The Movie Wire Show, The Podcast That Wouldn't Die, The Cult Film Companion, Shoot the Flick, and of course, my friend, Nikki E., and her show, Here's Looking at You Film. These are frequent guests and collaborators who have gotten me where I'm at today and kept me in the podcasting game. So once again, I invite you back to the show to take this journey and also to hear these amazing episodes with these amazing guests. And with that, I'm going to say, have a great week, and I'll see you very soon. My name's Antonio. This is the Cultworthy Classic. Goodbye. <laughs>